Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode six of Moments. I'm Deshola. And I'm Rye. And, you know, we're here today. This is Moments, as we said. Hope you guys are all doing well today. Uh, hope you liked our most recent episode. But now we're doing an episode on, well, one, let me just say it's Mental Health Awareness Month, right? Yes. So mental health is, is wealth, as people say it really is. Like in, in mental health now, the mental health movement is really, really... Um, big you know yeah i feel like it's growing like people aren't looking at it in a negative way anymore they're realizing how serious it is and really trying to provide people with the help you know and the resources that they need exactly so today we're interviewing someone about uh drug and alcohol addiction and uh the reason why we felt like it was it was um it went well mental health awareness month is because you know it's i feel like it's all in one it's all one like when you're going to certain things a lot of it has to do with your, your mental, mental state, you know, mm-hmm. so which is why we we're like, hey, this would be good. This would be good for this episode. So we have Penny here. All right. And he's going to share his story. Penny, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for uh, for being here. How's your day going before we get started? Pretty good. Pretty good. The weather is nice outside. Oh, that's that, that's good. My face. That's good. That's good. You are in New York, so the weather can get real like cold, right? Real shady out here. Real shady. Real shady. Gets real dark and real cold, real fast. Well, well, let's let's hope that it's um, light for the rest of the of the day at least. So, um, <laughs> tell us tell us about about your story and, and how how because you say you're here you're here for you're a recovering addict. Um, let us know how all that started. So, I started I started drinking when I was a little kid. Oh, like okay. 13, 14 years old, really young. And like in in school, I started drinking with my friends. And it started off with a little bit of beer here and a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a few shots at a party and stuff like that. Nothing crazy. And then I ended up leaving home. I'm from Montreal, from oh, Canada. Okay. Oh, and <laughs> I ended up leaving when I was 15. I went to school in Connecticut. And that's when I started drinking. I started going heavy on drinking and getting drunk all the time. And I didn't really think anything of it. And while I was doing that, I started, you know, dabbling and dabbling in different uh, substances. Nothing crazy for a little bit. And so I kind of started it with a little peer pressure. Okay. I jumped into it because, you know, I saw other people doing it. I was like, oh, shit, this seems fun. Let me try it. And let me try it. And let me try it. And I ended up getting more and more into it. And I started enjoying it. And it ended up turning into an addiction. Mm. Now, with that, I was the one thing that I think people need to understand when it comes to addiction is that most people who are using, who are addicted to drugs, alcohol, or whatever, whatever other substance or you know, thing they're addicted to. It could be sex. It can be anything. Mm -hmm. It's mainly to cover up traumas that they've had in their past. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a lot of pain deep inside of them. And as much as drugs don't push it away, it gives you a second relief, Mm -hmm. a second of, you know, all right, I'm fine. I'm good. Let me use this again. This gave me a good feeling. This took all the pain away. Let Mm -hmm. me stick to it. And it goes, it really just goes on from there it doesn't so like the drugs and the alcohol in itself are not addicting it's not an addicting substance but the feeling of relief is the addicting part okay. of it that makes so like sense. that's the main that's the main real push 
and shove that an addict has. So it kind of masks like what the actual problem is. So you don't have to deal with the problem head on. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like using it's kind of like using painkillers when you're in pain. It doesn't mm. take away the pain fully, but it takes it away for a brief moment. Okay. Yeah, that makes so sense. So it's basically the same thing. Okay. You're and basically the, relieving the pain. Right, right. That makes sense. What what was your drug of choice that you when you start to indulge into drugs? So it started off with like it started off with minimal with cocaine and Molly at parties. Okay. And then eventually it started building up and it went to taking more pills and went to shooting up heroin and fentanyl and it really just turned bad real fast. Okay. In the course of when I was 16 until I was 19, I went from drinking drinking heavily and using minimal drugs to drinking heavily, gambling heavily and using every drug in the book. Okay. In just a matter of three years. Oh, okay. Literally, if I can get my hands on it, I was using it. Mm. Were you ever um, afraid to use it from what the outcome could be or you didn't care what the outcome could be? So back then, really, uh, I didn't really care about the out- outcome because – so my – when you're using, the feeling you get is that you're invincible. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was a gambling addict too. Like when I'd go to a casino, most people go to a casino, they want to win. I'd go because I wanted to lose. Wait, huh? Why? Because you get a better feeling when you have a loss than when you have a win. Because when you have a win, it's like, okay, this isn't this, uh, this is just a win. But when you lose, you really feel that hit. You feel that push. Like, I lost everything. Let's restart from the bottom. Oh, now. Okay. Wait okay. Okay. Wait. Wait. Would you? Okay. I, I'm like, I need. I need to understand that. Would you <laughs> want to lose so you could like have a reason to like? Numb the yeah. pain in a way, like go go gamble more and or do more drugs or or what? Because so when, I don't... You, when you lose, when you win, it gives you a brief moment of happiness. Mm. But that goes away. But when you lose, it takes away the pain you were feeling before and it puts in new pain. Mm-hmm. But that new pain lasts longer than that brief moment that you'll have of happiness when you win. Oh my gosh, that makes sense. So it ends sense. up masking, masking the pain that you're feeling with other pain, but that oh, other pain okay. isn't hard. Okay, okay. I was like, wait, what? So you want to feel pain, but you're saying it, it was just another way. So just how you said the drugs would mask whatever traumas you had when you're younger, losing would mask it because your mind is thinking about that and not thinking about the, the other things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like you'll never, you will never go into the casino and see a gambling addict walk out with more than he walked in with because they'll never walk yeah. out with that. The, yeah. as mo- the more they make, the more they bet. Yeah. The more That's they true. bet, the more they lose because they'll never walk out with money because they're an addict. They always think they can get more and more and more. Is it? Is it like a That's, self-control thing? It's less of a self-control thing and more of a dopamine thing. You okay. get more dopamine when you lose than when you win. Gosh, so, that is so crazy. I never thought of it. I'm that gonna way. be like, wait, what? You yeah. Know? I'm like, if I lose, I don't want to lose. I want to win. I have a you heart attack. I, mean? I lose. I'm out. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Think about it like You're in a car, right? When you accelerate, you don't feel that. You feel a push going forward. But when you hit the brake, you feel a much harder push. Right. Oh, that That's makes sense. That is so wild that you're putting it in this perspective for us. Oh my gosh, I never thought of it like that. I love her reaction. No, because when when he's actually putting it in, you know, this perspective for us and for us to actually like, you know, see it in something that we can relate to and understand that is, it's so wild because that is so 
true like and we never sit and think about it because you know we don't we don't go through these things or whatever so i have a i'm like i wouldn't say like i'm addicted because i could stop but i'm a heavy like weed smoker like i love weed like i smoke it every single day and i would i don't know if i would say i'm addicted because like if i'm sick or you know if i have to stop i'll stop but i'm not going to stop i think you're close to it or you used to be maybe you know Um, what i mean because if it's an everyday 24 7 kind of thing I mean, would you what consider would you that an addict for something that's every day, 24-7? So, it depends. By the legit thing of an addict is they use to live and live to use. So, wow. like, use an addict them. can't live without the substance that they're using. So, think about it like this. When an addict goes to rehab, they have to go to detox first. Mm. They can't just jump into rehab because they have to detox off of the substance they're using. Detox is normally 7 to 14 days. They put you on pills. Because if you stop using it, then you'll go hyper crazy. And can you? I know people could potentially die sometimes. Yeah, you can they... die from the from the side effects of stopping to use certain drugs, which is why they have to put you on certain pills that will give you a minor dose of it. So you to still kind have of that feeling. Ease you out of it. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that like, crazy? Like one of the craziest things are if if you, an alcoholic goes to treatment, he has to go to detox. And if he doesn't take certain pills when he goes to detox, he will have multiple seizures, which could kill him. Because he lost, yeah, because the your body becomes dependent on the alcohol, and the loss of the alcohol in your body gives you seizures, which can eventually turn into a heart attack. How crazy is that? Isn't that, isn't that insane? How you like your body just adapts and yeah, because like, okay, your body comes this. your body comes dependent on it. Yeah, right. You know. And so I, what, what I do know is that people who do have an addiction, like I have friends who've had drug or whether it's alcohol, they are willing to lose every and anything around them where they can have the best job. They'll lose family members, friends. Like how does an addiction trump your loved ones and your money? Because when you're in an addiction, you don't really think about family or friends. I've lost many friends, whether it's just losing friends or for people dying from drugs. Mm-hmm. It's you don't really care about that when you're in your addiction the only thing you care about is where am i getting my next drink from where am i getting my next dose of drugs from where am i getting the money to to go buy this where am i getting the money to gamble you know that's really what you think of and that's what goes through your head and nothing else can go through that head unless you there's if you ask anyone who who's gone to treatment and gotten sober they'll tell you you'll never get sober until you hit rock bottom because until you hit rock bottom, you'll never know how bad it is to really be at the bottom. So, and every addict needs to find that out to get sober. When was your rock bottom? My rock bottom was uh, the end of 2019 when I went to treatment. I, I kind of, I lost everything. Mm-hmm. I had multiple businesses I was running. I lost it all. My family was like this close to being done and I didn't even have a choice. It was actually funny. I was at my brother's wedding and the night of my brother's wedding, my parents shipped me off to treatment mm. in Arizona. I hadn't, I, I didn't want to go. I knew about it. I didn't want to, but I, I didn't exactly know I was going there. I went and the first month I was like, hell no, fuck this. I'm not doing it. I didn't right. pay attention. I didn't listen. I, and then I realized my, how much my parents are paying for it. And I was like, okay, let me give it a try. I ended up staying in treatment for eight and a half months after that. Wow. Straight. I went treatment center hopping. Wow. Seven different treatment centers. And I've been sober ever since. 
So oh my, my rock bottom. God. That's amazing. Thank, thank God I didn't have a rock bottom where like I was done for. Yeah. I I ended up like catching on with myself and said, okay, let me just. I have an amazing, loving family. Let me give them a chance. Right. Do you do you ever um like beat yourself up or regret the fact that you missed your brother's wedding because they shipped you out the night before, right? No, no, no. They shipped me out the night of. Oh, the night was, of. The wedding was the last day out of treatment. Oh gosh. At like three in the morning, I was drunk as hell, and I hopped on the plane. <laughs> yeah, and that's well, that's expensive. Treatments are why are they so expensive when people so, are trying to help themselves? So, if you look at the statistics in America, there's 21 million addicts per year in the United States. 21 million per this is just drugs and alcohol, like new addicts. per year. Yeah, per year. That's not even sex addicts. That's just drugs and alcohol. Seven percent of the United States population is addicted every year, and this is new. And only 10% of the, those addicts go to treatment because they either have good insurance, rich families, mm-hmm. or that's about it. Rich families and good insurance. The rest of them are stuck on the streets. They either go to shit treatment centers that cost $2,000 a month that the owners and the therapists are using as well, mm-hmm. or they stay on the streets. So it's very expensive. The average treatment center costs $16,000 a month. Oh, oh, oh no. That's a, cheap, that's a cheap treatment center. That almost makes me mad because it's like you're you say you want to help people, but how you want to help people if you're charging them sixty thousand? So that's months? so that's the funny thing. It's about sixteen thousand for a cheap treatment center. I've been to I've been to four different multiple of treatment centers. I've been to one that was that was at that range, sixteen. Mm-hmm. Hated it. The therapists are not good. The therapists are really underpaid, so they can't really be that good. Right. Then you go to then there's another then there's the thirty five thousand or thirty to five to fifty five thousand or a month treatment centers. Those they're a lot they're a lot bigger because they have a lot more clients, but they don't have enough therapists, and the therapists are usually overpaid. <laughs> so out of the treatment centers I've been to, there was only one treatment center I've been to that I can say I actually felt the love. Okay. Mm. now that's that's really what you need in recovery is you need love you need to feel compassion love Mm -hmm. and you need to feel like the people actually give a shit right right and that's a very hard thing because as you were saying it makes you mad that treatment centers are so expensive right it is i kind of renege on what i said about how people care about mental health Uh, clearly (laughs) they fucking don't charging six grand a month like no not six yeah 16 i mean 16 that's that's even worse oh my gosh that's crazy but you have to think about it anything that's medical 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 mental always it's all it's all about money it has to be over all they care about is money so i for me personally i went to treatment i i did not have a great experience in all of them. So I decided there has to be a change. Right. And what I'm doing, I'm actually building a new a new uh, tech company. Okay. That is going to hopefully create that change. Oh, that's tech. awesome. Or tech. 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 Oh, tech. Okay. An app. So, you know, Tesla and Uber and Airbnb, they all took mm-hmm. over those, the old taxis, hotels, and cars right mm-hmm. of course so i'm i'm planning on building an app that will be your treatment center but it will be on your phone mm, more convenient because we're dealing with a bunch of young people now we're dealing with people who are more interested in sitting on their phone than mm-hmm. actually going anywhere or doing anything mm-hmm. so you got to tap into the market that you're getting into and most of the addicts these days are young people right or between the ages of 15 to 30 
and they're addicted to their cell phones. Right, right, right. Would you say that, um, would you say that people who get on like, you know, have drug and alcohol abuse, they form a mental illness or, or they already had the mental illness and that's why they got on the drugs and alcohol? So normally it's they already have one. Most okay. people who end up using or have major anxiety and depression. Okay. Because that's part of that when you have trauma as a kid, you get anxiety and depression from that because you get anxious about your trauma that you have, which ends up turning into depression. Okay. That's really the way it goes around. So can I can I ask what led you to like what led you to, to the drugs and the, what what made you feel like, okay, this is too much that I have to do this? Because I know you say you went away to school, so I'm assuming that's a boarding school or something? Kind of a boarding school in Connecticut. Okay. So it wasn't – I can't really pinpoint because I don't really have the same childhood story that other people have. Mm-hmm. Like in, in a way that, you know, my life was shitty. My, my life was actually great. <laughs> I can't complain. My parents did a great job of raising me. They gave me a great childhood. But I grew up with a lot of siblings. Mm. How many? Seven to be exact. Oh, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard for a parent to show equal amount of love to eight kids. Yeah. Especially since when I was a kid, my dad was gone a lot, building his businesses, working. And my mom was kind of taking care of us. Mm-hmm. My dad was there. Just he was he was busy. Right. So it's very hard to spread the love equally. Mm-hmm. So I can, I think one of the things that led me to that was kind of a lack of love, mm-hmm. a lack of feeling love. Because I knew I was love. I just didn't feel it. Like a lack of attention. A lack of attention. That's mm-hmm. a better way to put it. Were you um, in the middle, oldest, youngest? Exactly in the middle. Okay. Oh well. I only ask because I, I know. <laughs> I believe middle child syndrome is real. Like a lot of friends. I, I do too. Yeah. So that, that's real. My brother, it's, like, it's, real. Mm-hmm. it's so real. And, but like when I was in treatment, you hear the other people's stories and I've heard some, I've heard crazy childhood stories and yeah. it's scary to see what people go through. And it just, it's hard to put yourself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I grew up, I, I had a great childhood, you know, a lot of, I had everything I needed and everything I wanted and I went we went on vacations and all that. Mm-hmm. And I can say that was a good thing and a bad thing. So one of the greatest one of the if you look at people who fall into addiction, about thirty percent of them grow up fully find you know, like financially free. Their parents can get them whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Their parents have money. And that's a big push towards addiction because you, you have nothing to lose. No, you don't have to work a job as a kid. You don't have to work a job. You don't have to work for your for anything you have. You don't have to work for your money. So it's just like, okay, let me fuck my life up and hopefully, you know, my parents will bail me out. And that was kind of my mindset. I was like, my parents bailed me out of everything. Like I, I got into debt with this guy, my parents paid it off. I got into this, my parents got me out of it. And that kind of pushed me into more. Now I'm not blaming it on them. They had no idea what they were doing. Right. You can't really put yourself in the shoes of saying, okay, I'm not going to do this because I was their kid. And, mm-hmm. you know, like to a parent, your kid is your life. Right. So one thing, like if any parents do hear this, if you see your son falling in to that pattern, just say no. Mm-hmm. Just say no. Like say no to help. It's the hardest thing. Say no. No, not no to help. Say no to bailing him out. Yeah. 
Yeah. To help say no to bailing out. Say no to bailing him out and offer him help. Right. Instead of just taking away the issue, instead of instead just of, solving the issue, instead of paying off the issue and pushing it to the side, pay for him to go get help for the issue. Right. And in the intern, you can help him pay off his debts or pay off whatever else he needs to. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> before you do that, get him to get help. Right, mm. right. Because you're actually hurting him. You're hurting them more. And the only reason I say that is I actually personally know someone um, who's been a heroin addict for at least 10 plus years and his mom bails him out of everything every single time she pays she pays for treatment center after treatment center because she has money you know they're they're really well off so um everything that he has she just pays for she enables and she knows the money that she gives him she's paying for his heroin addiction but she doesn't care um and when you know that your mom's gonna do that why not why stop so I don't think it's that she doesn't care. I think it's just that she's scared. A lot of parents are scared that if they stop helping their kid, their kid will kill themselves. Their kid will do this. Their kid will run away. And that is a big, that is a valid fear. Because yeah. like for me personally, when I was in addiction, I can tell you that if someone told me that you're not going to be able to use anymore, you're not going to be able to do this anymore, I probably would have said, okay, goodbye. I'm done. Have you ever had, and that was going to lead to my next question. Have you ever found yourself like, all right, I'm, I'm pulling the plug. Like I'm, yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't multiple times, I've multiple times I've had I found myself saying that, and I found myself trying that. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's like, it's. Hmm. Sorry. ODing, overdosing. Yeah. It's a, it's a scary, it's a very scary path that we enter into at that point. And the problem with the problem with mental health in America now is that the government pushes so much money into into helping mental health for the fortunate that the less fortunate don't get don't get anything out of it right right. so the one percent get everything and below that get nothing right Mm -hmm. i wonder why it's that way though i don't understand i i personally don't agree with it i think it should be evened out right like if you think about it the the, uh recovery industry is a 200 billion dollar a year industry Well, now that we hear how much it costs a month, of course. Two hundred I mean, oh billion God. dollar a year. Two hundred billion a year. That's two hundred billion fucking that's the dollars. Gross, that's gross of how much treatment centers make. And then nobody can get fucking help, and yet people are still around here dying and still addicts. That's bullshit. Like, yeah, because treatment centers they they promote relapse. They don't make money if you get sober, do they? They make money if you come oh, back. That is so true. That is so true. <laughs> It's so scary, and when you're when you're in recovery, you don't have you don't have side mirrors, you don't have blind spots. You have a you have a window, and you can look forward. And if second you look back, that's when you turn around. Right. That is. So you got to just keep your eyes forward. Wow. That is so true, and it's so sick, and it's so sad. Like it's like things that you're saying. We Dishel and I have probably never thought of even put in perspective and it's literally disgusting. And a part of me feels like too, as well, it's like population control, just like with, you know, the cures and stuff like that for, you know, cancer and other diseases, like they have them, but they don't want to give them because they're not going to make money. Yeah. The government makes money off everything. The government. And if, if they can make money off it, they'll hold it back. There's not that's why in America you will not see many government treatment centers. There's not many government run treatment centers. Most of the treatment centers here are privately owned, privately mm-hmm. ran. 
And that, that brings in another problem that if they don't want you in there, you are not getting in there. So they can say like, you can't afford our $50,000 a month uh, tuition. You're not fucking coming. Who cares if you're going to die in the street? Yeah. Population control. The government literally does not give a fuck. That, and that's the problem. And that's why, that's why I believe a change needs to happen. Oh, ASAP, 100%. Especially with COVID. COVID has brought in mental health so bad. Oh my gosh. Like I, oh, I the, like the domestic violence has increased. The drug and alcohol um, has increased. Like I had a friend who was literally, literally, he was sober for like a year and a half. And that's not long. Cause I know, I know people who, you know, are sober for 15 years and relapse and stuff. A year and a half is but a long, long time. That is no, long. I'm saying, a- no, it is a long time, but I'm saying, I, I I'm saying, I'm, I want, what I'm trying to say is I know people relapse over a huge you know, amount of time oh, yeah. too. So I don't want you guys to think that I'm like, oh my gosh, it's amazing that he did it for that long. But as soon as COVID hit, he relapsed. Like he was doing so good. And then COVID hit losing a job, this and that. And yep. he went right back. It's that you can, you can be using, you can be sober for thirty years. That's the thing. Relapse is around the corner. Now, so the main—it's crazy. The main thing people have to understand when they're in recovery is that the only way to stay sober is if you stay with their peers, if you keep in touch with your peers. Mm-hmm. Now, doesn't mean you have to go to AA meetings every day because I haven't gone to an AA meeting in five months, but I call up my sponsor every day. Yeah. Okay. You know, like I keep in touch. I I I do things to bring me closer to that community, mm-hmm. without without kind of bring me back into that community. Right? Is it trying to stay away from being alone? Like that's what it pretty it, much is—is is feeling alone. That's the problem. Most addicts feel alone. There's they need they need to they need to feel like they have a purpose, and they need to feel like they have a family. Okay. And they do have a family, and that's the millions of addicts that are sober now in America. That's your family. Now the yeah. hard, now the only thing is you have to find that family. Right, 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 right. I mean, I, yeah. Oh, oh. sorry. Do, okay. do you think that it's harder? Because you know, how sometimes uh, people say like, um, well, they always say the company you keep. You know, like, like like the company you keep is, is very important. So, do you think that it's a good thing to be friends with a lot of people who are recovering addicts, or do you think it, it can be a trigger at the same time? So I, I think it's, that's a two-sided question. So you can, it's a good thing to have friends who are in recovery. That's a, that's a must you need mm-hmm. to, but it's also a good thing to have friends who are not in recovery. Mm-hmm. So you can have a stable from the two. Now, if mm-hmm. your friends in recovery are going on a bad track, you can always go and ask your other friends, listen, I need, I need some opinions. What should mm-hmm. I do? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's always good to have people in recovery to help you through through um, hardships that regular people don't know about. Mm-hmm. Like, like most one. people won't – yeah, most people won't understand when you have a trigger how hard it is to deal with. But people in recovery will. So you can't go to your friend and say, listen, I'm, I'm triggered. I need a drink right now. He'll say just don't fucking do it. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, no it's it's because Deshola and I, even though like I'm not on that level like of that, and I think honestly, as crazy as it sounds, is I never have tried anything else because I'm too afraid. Like I'm too afraid that something will happen to me and I'm too afraid that I would become addicted to it. But Deshola is yeah. like that. Deshola is very um he's like very like positive has a strong mind and if i were to call him like i just want to smoke so bad he would just be like well don't fucking do it like that's all he would say because he wouldn't understand like what it does for me so that makes that makes complete sense to have like a balance of friends 
Yeah, I know. I hear that. That's that's definitely valid. Like it's it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Okay. So how okay how hard is it? Because you're saying, oh, you made a point that like people who are not addicts don't understand that when you're like, I have a trigger, like how serious it is. How hard is it for you? So it depends. It depends what you're triggering and how bad it is. Because you can have a minor trigger where you say, I just want it mm-hmm. because I'm feeling I'm, I'm having a bad day. And then you can just sit down and tell yourself, okay, let's go an hour, a minute. Let's just try to see how long I can last without it. And then you can have a trigger where you say, fuck, I hate my life. I need to use this right now. Mm. That trigger feels like your life is ending and you need it to survive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is literally like, it feels like you're dying inside. Right. Really? It feels like you will not get through without having that. Not get through even the next 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do for your, if, okay. So if you still have moments where you feel like you want to, you know, do a substance or, you know, drink, what do you do for yourself to like stop yourself? Like what do you personally I call my sponsor. I either call my sponsor, I sit down and I, I write down a list of things I'm grateful for and see, do I want to fuck these things over? Mm. Okay. Gosh, that stuff like, it's like crazy. It's like making me sad. So Sorry if I get emotional, guys, because it's no just so, it's so sad that people like go through this shit. It's hella sad. It's really sad. And we lose so many people. We lose, uh, I think it's 800,000 people a year to heroin overdoses. Yeah. Just in America alone. And that, that doesn't include Canada. That doesn't include any other country. That's in America alone. Yeah. We are losing literally 0.5% of the population every year to drug overdose. Mm-hmm. and alcohol poisoning uh-huh. every year it's horrible yeah it's, it, um, it, it's unfortunate like um and it's that's why i asked you if you ever had a moment where you um were like afraid that it might be the end but you don't care and unfortunately um one of my brother's good friends recently passed away because he popped a pill and it was laced with condolences. Thank you. And it um it it took him out just that one time, just one pill, and that's all it takes sometimes. You know what I mean? So that's like scary that people have to do this to feel better or to numb the pain, and that can be that. You know? So it's just unfortunate. It's a lot of like people feeling alone, or they they um you know they don't have anything to live for. You know? So. You know what I think the scary thing is, is that it's it's not that it's just one pill that can really push you to the top. It's one word. If you're with someone and they say the wrong word, because what people have to understand is that addicts aren't bad people. They're good people with a bad, that were dealt a bad card. Right. They're good people with bad trauma. They're good people that had a hard childhood. They're good people that had a hard life right. that are trying. They're not using because they're, because they're, fuck everything you know let me just use to piss someone off or using because they have insane pain inside of them that they need to push away and a lot of people don't understand that and that's a scary thing right and people sometimes use that pain to get through to them and to to get on their nerves but you can you if someone uses that pain one time too much that can that person could take his own life right and that's the scary Mm. part the one one wrong word said to to a emotionally destructible, you know, anxious, depressed person can can make them want to take their life. Yeah, literally one word. Like it, it's and it's not even just a mental um like illness from like 
abuse, like people have mental illness just from like trauma that, you know, that they go through and they maybe don't like use, you know, drugs or alcohol, but they lash out in other ways um, of like fighting and, you know, things that are where they're destructive because they don't know any other way to express it or to mask it. And it's just, it's just unfortunate that we really don't have people in America, like these treatment centers and stuff who really care, like, like they should, you know, it's just, it's very unfortunate and it's very sad. And, um, like you said, there, there needs to be change. And I'm so happy that you are creating an app that can help people. Like that's amazing. Someone who really cares. I had a question about the app, by the way. Sure. So I'm thinking, okay, how would that work? Because in my mind, I feel like if you're an addict, right? Many people probably need people to hold them accountable, like actually physically there to hold them accountable because you can put your phone down and lock and and close the screen easily. Right. And say, okay, I don't want to look at this, you know, and then right then and there, the accountability is not there anymore. So how does that work? I'll give you, why don't I give you a rundown on the entire app right now? Yeah, let's, okay. let's hear kind of give you a, a real taste of what it is. So it's not really, it's more of a account. It's more of a life than a treatment center. Now we, we have to understand is when addicts leave treatment, they have nothing. Mm-hmm. They, their families don't want, their families don't want to help them. Their friends don't want to help them. They have no one with them and nothing to help them. They normally are in insane debt with horrible credit. They have, no one wants to give them a job. The hardest thing for an addict is to get life together. Now, treatment is expensive, as we, right. <laughs> as we've said. So, my thing is, is you can either go if you go to treatment, amazing, you can still use it. But if you can't go to treatment, you go to detox. When you're done detox, you will sign up to my app. You're, so this is the this is for families and for addicts to bring them together. You'll sign up to my app. And when you sign up, you will, you'll put in all your info, how long you're sober, where, what you want to do. And then it will give you options. Where do you want to live? What do you want to do? And it will ask you a bunch of questions. We'll put together a profile for you. And then we'll get you a job. We'll get you an apartment and we'll help you start putting your life together. Now you're right. We do need accountability, which is why in order to stay on the app and to get the, the, perks that my app gives you, you have to submit weekly drug tests. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Now the app is going to be a community of itself. Mm -hmm. So let's say I have a hundred thousand addicts on the app, right? And 5,000 in Arizona, 2,000 in New York, 8,000 in LA. If you live in Arizona, you can go on the app and find all 2,000 addicts that are in Arizona and contact them and say, let's go for a coffee. Let's meet up. You know, I'm having a bad day. Can I give you a call? Maybe we can yes. go. Uh, we can go out for a bite. And it's kind of a community of itself. With also, and it also will give perks. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're you're a year sober and you want a car. You'll never have good enough credit to get a car. Mm. But so we can help you get that car. If you're a year sober, you're going to your job. You're sending in your drug tests. We'll help you get a car. Right now, the parents will see this progress that their kids are making. They'll see that their kid is a year sober. Their kid is doing good at their job. Their kid's getting their life together. And that will take the awkwardness out and build trust between each other. Mm. So can the, can the family members log in and see the progression or is yes. it private? No. So the app costs $200 a month for the family members. Okay. The, the addict pays nothing. Okay. Well, that's good though. I like that, that the addict, it, it shows that 
you care and you just want to make sure that they're doing yeah. well. And uh, the family kind of like, in a way, needs to little invest if they want to investigate. They need to invest and <laughs> in, they need to really invest something to really be a part of it. Right. Now, the attic, I don't want the attic pay anything. Yeah, exactly. I want, that, I want it to be free because I really want it to help them get their life together. Right. Save up money, build a, build a life. Right. Now, for the parents, it's $200 a month. For one person, if you want to have two parents, it's $400 a month. Mm -hmm. Every person you add on is $200. Okay. No, I think that's Wait. good. Oh, 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 okay. I get it now. I was confused. You mean, so they're not paying for their son or daughter who is an addict. They're paying just to be a part of the app themselves. No, they're paying to see the progress of To see kid. the progress, to be able to see it. So it's not private. But if they don't so, want to, then it's still, like, they, let's say if there's no parents involved. It's still free for the person. The addict. I'm st it's still going to be okay. free because okay. this is to help the addict. Okay. The parents is just an addict thing. Now, even with the addict, we're we need to make money somehow. So we're going to be taking little cuts out of their job. Like let's say they make 5,000, 2,000, 3,000 a month. We'll take 10% to keep that running. So we can continue giving you these perks. Right now. Let me ask you this. Wait. Um, what? 10% of a job that you like help them get or something. We're going to get them the job. Oh, so, okay. 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 So like, okay. let's say, so let's say we, we want, we want to get jobs at Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. We contact Amazon. We'll say we need 3,000 jobs between these 10 cities. We'll make a press release that you guys are giving us these jobs to give you guys good press, that you're helping mental health. Mm. No one turns down good press. That, yeah, that is good press. Very good And press. we'll get, in turn, we'll get 3,000 available jobs that we can hand out to different addicts. So, and they um, can build themselves up. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, are you going to have a... Um... I guess agreement, I, sh I guess I should call it, where say if an addict doesn't want their family to be a part of it, even if they pay, are you giving them that option to say, no, I want this no. to be private? No, the addict has to give permission to the family okay. if the family decides to pay. Okay, that's That's perfect. part of our agreement. That's part of the agreement to use it is to build connection between the family and the addict. Okay, no, that's good. So they don't have to, instead of like, say if someone's dad wants to be a part of it and they're like, I don't want my dad to be a part of it, you know? So then that's you don't good. get the perks. Okay. In order to get the perks, you have to show us you're ready to change. Okay. But what if, okay, but, okay, but certain people's families are not good families. So if so. the families aren't good families, we'll, we will, we will not allow the families on there. But how will you know so that? We're going to do, we're going to have to do research into every, into the people that come into our app. So let's say you come on, right? You're an, you're an addict, right? You come on. And you tell us your life story and your your family was abusive, right? Okay. Mm. We're not going to let your family on there. Okay, that's what I'm even saying. If, even like, if they want to pay, you're still going to tell even them Even if no. they want to pay, if the family is if the family is explosive to the addict's recovery, then we're not going to let them on. Because I'm thinking if, triggers, triggers, right? right? You know. So let's say let's say the family's explosive, but the addict sponsor wants to come on, we'll let the sponsor on. Right. Okay, not the it. family on. Whoever is kind of helping you in recovery, that's who will let you watch your feet. Right. If someone's explosive to your recovery, we're not going to let that. But if the addict does want to allow his family that is explosive to watch it, that's up to them. That's up to them. Okay. But we're not going to approve it without their knowledge. No, okay. that's, that's okay. amazing. That's all I want to make sure. I'm like, because you yeah, know, some no. families are, are triggers for people that aren't addicts. You know No, that's, mean? yeah. <laughs> so that, no, that I know for a fact. That's for sure. I can tell you that more than anything. If a family is triggerous and we find that out, we're going to either block the family or not let them on. Right. And you create a We're, safe place for people like that to know yeah. that even if their family even because I'm sure you're going to document everything. So even if the family reaches out to you, you could still be like, no, they made it clear they yeah. don't want you on. But the thing is, we're gonna, with the families with the families on there, 
you can have, let's say, on the family side of the page, the parents, different parents can talk to each other mm-hmm. and say, oh, well, how good. are you dealing with your son being a heroin yeah. addict? You know, my son's a new addict. What do I do? And mm-hmm. families can help each other get through the hard process. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be to help addicts, but it's also going to be to help parents. So it's yes. just a support, a support group. So for the parents, it's a support group. For the addicts, it's a support group and a life. We're going to give them a job. We're going to get them an apartment. We're going to help them get a life together. And for the addicts, we're also going to have different platforms. So we're going to have our own Instagram platform in the app. That's amazing. For addicts where they can post stories and make a post and follow people and message people. It's going to be kind of – it's a big project. I'm working on it for over a year. Okay. And hopefully when it comes out, I hope it makes waves because this definitely needs to change. I'm sure it will. It sounds amazing and there's nothing like it right now. Yeah, there's nothing like it. And I think it will just help so many people who can't afford $16,000 a month. Right. Oh that Get sober and stay healthy and have a good life. That makes me like, I would be a parent to go in there at crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, me, what? Every time he says the money, I get irritated by it because I'm just like, okay, it's like uh, you want to help people so much, you're charging that much money. We know don't call. Anyways, whatever. Yeah, don't like, get him started. I, I know. Like, well, when I get started, I get started because that. To Listen, me, I'm with just, you. I, I'm exactly with you on that. I'm I feel like, the same way. I think I'm, it's expensive and a ripoff. It's a, it sounds like exploitive to me. If that's the word, exploit. You know, like 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 you're exploiting people. Like. Like, like Taking advantage. Their, yeah, exactly. You're using their problem. But, and, I don't another, know. another cool thing that I'm putting on the app that I think is really cool is we're going to have a little red button in mm-hmm. the middle of the app that if you're ever feeling triggered or you're ever feeling depressed, you press that button and on the spot, you will get a call from somebody. Oh my God. Yes. That on is the spot. Amazing. Within seconds, you will get a call. You choose call or text. You'll get a call or a text from somebody who's going to be willing to talk to you. Now, it's not going to be an employee. It's going to be another addict who's offering to do this. Oh God. So let's say amazing. we let's say we have 100 addicts that offer to do that. You will get a call from one of those people, whoever is available at that moment. I think that's even better. Someone who can relate because if you yeah. have someone calling you, I mean, you, it's still anyone who's helping, but it's someone like who's been through it. So it's like, oh, you've been through it. So you can really give me some advice. It's like a suicide hotline just right. for people who tried that's, to commit yeah. suicide. Right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. So when do you um, think When do you think this app will be out? When's your goal to have it out? So my goal is within six months to okay. have it fully up and running. I have developers working on it as we speak. Good, good. That's so So awesome. within six months, I hope to have it up and running. and start distributing it. I think Solber. Solber. Solber, like soul and, and then a burr. burr. Okay, I cool. Love okay. That. Solber. Oh, well, it's going to be very cool when we see an ad or this or that for Apple like, "Oh, that's Penny's app." There you go. <laughs> right. I we got the so. we got we did an interview. We got we the got exclusive. exclusive. Okay. So right. we'll so so when this app comes out and it and it blows up, we're going to have to uh Select another, the clip and, yes. and post again and then do a follow-up, okay? Right. Of course. For We're promo. definitely going to have to do a follow-up. This was so. a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it was. It, it, I learned you. so much, even though my <laughs> yeah. little emotional self, but I learned so much from you and just putting it in perspective for us. Like, this is really serious and I'm just, I'm really grateful that you came on and told your story and you know, you have so much knowledge about it. It's, it's great. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you guys for having me. This was uh, amazing. Of course. And before you go, one last thing. What is the advice you would give to someone who is either an addict right now or a recovering addict and to their family that's dealing with it? So the advice I can give to an addict right now, it's COVID. COVID is hard, but I can tell you one thing that if you look back in 10 years and you say that I got sober during COVID, 
during the worst pandemic the world has ever seen, you will never feel happier. You'll never feel better. You will feel like the king of the world. You got, you didn't just hit rock bottom. You, the world hit rock bottom with you and you still built yourself back up. Mm. That's my advice to addicts. The parents, it's beware of, of um, the pain your kid's going through and don't always, don't, don't judge to jump them. Don't jump to jump, judge them. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Don't jump to judge them. Be aware of the pain they're going through and mm-hmm. help them through it rather than pushing them out, hoping that it just goes away. Thank you. Well, That's you amazing like advice. That. Thank oh, you so much. Thank you so much, Penny. We love this interview. This is great. Thank you so, so this much for amazing. being part thank of it. Thank you guys for having me. And we'll definitely, we'll definitely do this again. Yes, All for right, sure. Take you. care. Have a good day. Awesome. You too, right. guys. Have okay. a great day. Well, that was a good one. I actually really enjoyed that conversation. I thought he was um, one. He, I like his personality. Right. You know what I mean? He was he was upbeat and but also informative, and it just shows how serious like drug addiction is. I don't play mm-hmm. with that stuff, as you know. Right. Me, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not doing it. Okay, I'm not trying anything. Don't ask me to try something. If you're my friend, you ask me to try something. You already know. I'm gonna look at you. But don't play with me. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> because you're not about to ruin my life. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it, it's it's just really serious and it's sad. Yeah, it is really sad. And he was super, super knowledgeable and transparent and open. And it just it just makes me so sad that people really go through this stuff. And like he said, the the number one thing of it is feeling alone, lack of love and lack of attention and just like pain and trauma that you go through. And people always want to like um, look at our traumas like a negative thing. And it's like you have to look at it and not the trauma in a positive thing, but look at it as like, what can we do to get to a positive space and place? Like people look at traumas and negative things. I mean, it's it's such a negative thing. And I just hate that. Like if you're looking at it in such of a negative light, how are you going to help a person person to see the light and be positive to get out of the, you know, the quicksand they're in. That's fair. That makes sense. Well, if anyone out there is, an addict and needs help. There are many so many resources out there. I know that. Like, it, literally, Google is your best friend. If you Google right. Google um, um, addiction help or, or, or rehabilitation centers, uh, hopefully they won't be sixteen thousand a month. I know there are programs. You know there are programs right. out there that can help you. Um, and also remember, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. Okay, so yes. just Google Mental Health Awareness Month, and there are resources that will help you if you need help. There's right. so many things out there. So. Just like with Penny and his app coming out, hopefully in six months, I think sober. And I love the name, the the meaning behind it. Um, I think it's great that he's starting something like that. So I I can't wait till he launches it. I can't wait. I think it'll be great. Mm-hmm. And also, one other thing I want to say: if you're an addict and you're listening to this, don't be embarrassed. And what I mean, no, what I mean never. by that is, don't be embarrassed. Like I can understand being embarrassed about the situation, but like go get help if you need help. You know, because right. some people are, are like struggling in, in silence. There, I'm sure there are many people we know who may be addicted to things we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, so even if you don't want to tell the whole world, go get help. Go somewhere because obviously if you are at the point where you know it's an issue and you can uh, maybe stop it or help it before it gets worse, right. you know, I, I would say go out there and do that. You know, because as you heard, you, you don't want to hit – I mean, you have to hit rock bottom sometimes, but I think sometimes you can maybe – Stop it before it gets there. I've heard right. stories, you know. So, anyways, you guys, anything's possible. Y'all, yeah, but... anything is possible, and uh, we want you to make sure you are able to help yourself or get help. So, right. anyways, my name is Dayshola. That was our episode, episode six on mental health awareness and really just on drug addiction and alcohol addiction, uh, which causes the mental 
illness it adds to it i should say right yeah hope you guys enjoyed this episode you guys can check us out on instagram at moments pod m-o-m-e-n-t-s-p-o-d uh also my personal instagram just type in my name d-e-s-o-l-a i'm the only guy that's oh well actually no type in d-a-y-s-h-o-l-a underscore b i'm like you guys don't know what i look like so i gotta tell you Right. And I'm Rye, y'all. And my Instagram handle is C-A-L-L-M-E-R-Y-Y. Call me Rye. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next week. Bye.